actually, I have not done this in a long time. Um, I'm going to do a standalone message. And, and some, of you that's, some of you that maybe haven't been coming for a while, you're like, well, what is that? Well, typically I, I teach in series to where I'll take you know, three or four weeks or five weeks, sometimes six weeks, and I'll talk about a certain topic or, or, or subject and just you know, break down different parts of that topic in, in a weekly sermon. Uh, today, however, there is something that God has been putting on my heart for the last couple of weeks, and it just seems that no matter where I try to study, that I always end, back, or back, or end up here at this place. And I listen to a lot of family talk radio um, lately, and it seems like everything that I've been listening to is just God co- confirming that this is what we need to hear. But before I have you turned there uh, and, and talk about, or tell you what I'm going to talk about, I want to pray that God will speak to our hearts today. Um, because I can get up here and I can, I can share things, but it's not, it's not my words that change us. It is, it's not our praise team that changes us. It, it's the Word of God that changes, and we're about to hear that this morning. So I'm going to ask you to prepare your heart. Maybe you come in this morning, you've got a lot of things going on. There's, you know, you just, you're busy, there's stress, you've maybe gotten some bad news this week. Just, I just pray that, as I pray, that you would open up your heart to what God wants to plant in your soul this morning, what God wants to plant in your heart. And I promise you, if you allow your heart to be open, God's going to impregnate you with, with a word this morning that's going to challenge you and is going to encourage you and going to bring hope and freedom and life and all these things. So let's, let's pray this morning that God would speak to our hearts. Father, we are so thankful, Lord, that we have the opportunity to hear Your Word this morning. Father, it is Your Word that brings life. It is Your Word, Lord, that brings hope. It is Your Word that brings encouragement. It is Your Word that heals. It is Your Word that, that, that brings, uh, brings us uh, joy. God, it's Your Word that brings peace. It's Your Word that brings protection. God, Your Word is life-changing. So God, I just ask this morning that as I speak the Word, as I, as I teach what You've laid upon my heart, God, that all of us would prepare our hearts right now to receive not from Scott, but to receive from You. And Holy Spirit, do your work that only you can do and let us walk out of this room today changed by your presence, Lord. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to turn to Hebrews chapter number 4. Hebrews chapter number 4. We're going to be reading verses 12 through 13. Hebrews chapter number 4. As you're turning there, and I'm going to give you a chance. uh, If you don't have your Bibles, you can follow along uh, on the screen. Or if you have your smartphones with the Bible app on there, you can... You can check in there, but as you're turning there, I want to once again thank Pastor Brad for, for stepping in and, and, and delivering the word last week. Gave us a chance to go and, and spend some time with our daughter. Uh, we're about finished. Uh, we do have one more next weekend, and then we will be done. But uh, I thank you so much for uh, understanding and allowing us to spend time with our daughter. And she's only young once, and, and uh, it's a privilege. And we're making lots of memories, and so... Uh, my first commitment is, 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 is to my family, and I think you understand that. But thank you so much for understanding, and thank you, Pastor Brad, for speaking last week. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 13. Many of you already know this. You can probably quote it. But do you know it in your heart as I'm going to teach it to you today? For the Word of God is alive. Some translations say the Word of God is quick. And powerful, that word quick means it is alive and powerful. Say alive and powerful. It is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Watch this. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. 
Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes. And He is the one, He is the one to whom all of us are going to give an account to one day. It is to Him that we are accountable. Verse 12 says this. Let's look at it together one more time. The Word of God is what? It is alive and powerful. I'm going to talk to you this morning just about the, the aliveness and the, and the powerfulness of the Word of God. It sounds simple, but it's, but it's something that we have got to get a hold of. The Word of God is alive. It is, it is not dead. This is, this is not just a book that's filled with words and pages. It is the very breath of God. It is living. It's alive. It, is, it has existence. It is not dead. It's alert. It's active. It's alive. I like the, like the old movie. It's alive. It's, alive. it's not just something that's just pages and words. It is the very breath of God. Of God. It is the source of life itself. The Word is alive. Yet, yet we don't see its aliveness because we don't give it a chance to be planted in our lives. It's like a, a seed. As a matter of fact, Jesus, in the parable of the sower, he likened the Word of God to what? A seed. You don't see the aliveness of the seed until when? until it gets planted. It can, it can set in a package on a shelf at the co-op or even at Walmart. It, it can set on a shelf for, for days and months and years, but yet it's, it's, it's alive. But, but you don't see that aliveness until you plant it and give it a chance to work. And then, and then over time, seed time comes harvest. You see this, this harvest, this fruit, this, this crop, this, this abundance that comes from the aliveness of the seed. And it's the same thing that, that I, now I believe Paul wrote Hebrews, and it, it really is irrelevant. The Bible doesn't name who wrote it, but I believe it's Paul. But, but Paul is saying here that it's, this, it's the aliveness. It's, it's like a seed. The Word is alive. Now you may not feel the effects of it, but once it gets planted in your life, then it starts bringing forth the fruit. It starts producing a crop. It starts bringing forth the abundant life that Jesus said that I have come to give. But not until then. Now, I'm going to spend a lot of time on this because I want you to get it because there's a lot of people who have who've given their life to Christ, but they're not seeing the work of God take place in their life. And the reason they're not seeing the work of God take place in their life, the reason they're not seeing the fruit uh, and the abundant life that Jesus said I've come to give is because they're not given the Word of God, which is alive and powerful, an opportunity to work inside them. The Word is alive it's not dead it's alive and waited to be waiting to be planted so that it can bring forth this abundant life everybody say the word is alive secondly it says there that the word is not only alive but it's it's powerful it's powerful when the word is read or or spoken or believed things happen as a matter of fact, I'm convinced that as I'm teaching the Word this morning that people will be healed, people will be delivered, chains will be broken, addictions will be cast out, depression will be pushed out. It happens! Not, not because Scott's teaching, not because Scott's communicating, but because the Word is not only alive, but it's, it's powerful. It does things. 
That's why it's so important that we spend time in the Word to give it a chance to do things. There, there are things that the Word is doing. You may not see it, uh, the results of it right away, but I believe there's something that's going on inside of you when you're reading the Word, when you're hearing the Word, when you're studying the Word. I, I use this example a lot, and I know I'm going to spend some time here, but I use this example a lot. Y'all, for those of you that read the Bible, there's a story where Jesus touches a, a, a blind man. He can't see anything. He touches him, and he asks him, he says, well, what do you see? He says, well, I see men as trees walking. In other words, he could see now, but, but not clearly. He wasn't completely healed. So Jesus touched him again. And he was completely made whole. Now, now what was happening externally oftentimes happens internally to us. We're believing God to do something. We pray. I believe God is doing it like He touched the, the blind man who could see the trees as, as, or men as trees walking. He's doing something inside of us. We may not, seem the, we may not see the, the, the end of that, but I believe that even when we can't see it, there's something that's taking place that God is doing a work in our lives. Why? Because the Word is powerful. It accomplishes what it sets out to do. It does not return void. That's why I am adamant about speaking the Word of God. I can come up with illustrations. I can come up with stories to get you to laugh. But if the Word of God is not there, there's nothing that happens. But if I can read you the Word of God, if I can teach you the Word of God, there's, if you're open to that, it's alive and it begins to stir you up. It begins to do something inside of you. It begins to heal, set free, deliver all of these things because the Word of God is powerful. When you speak the Word and hear the Word, fathers are going to have their hearts turned back to their children. Love and intimacy in marriage is going to be restored. Wayward children are going to be brought back to God. Depression, anxiety, and stress are going to be lifted today. Why? Because the Word is alive and powerful. Amen. mountains crumble. Darkness trembles. Darkness is expelled. Why? Because the Word is, is it's alive and powerful. It's a light that just exposes and expels darkness. It's, it's powerful. It goes on to say in verse number 13, it says, it's sharper, the Word is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between, look at this, look at this, Soul and spirit and joint and, and marrow. It's soul, spirit, and body. It's what, it, what it's saying there. We are a trying being. Body, soul, and spirit. So what that means is that the Word has the ability and the, and the power and the capacity to get all up in your business. It can go everywhere. There's not anything that's left untouched by the Word of God. It can touch you physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, relationally. It can help you financially, give you wisdom and enlightenment. I mean, it, it goes everywhere. Aren't you glad that it's not just limited to certain things? The Word of God goes everywhere. It's sharp. It touches every aspect of your life. There is nothing in your life that it will not minister to. That's good news. And then it goes on to say, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Some translations say our attitudes. The Word of God knows you. It, it knows how you are wired. It knows your inner delicacies. It, it, it knows everything about you. It can penetrate into the deepest parts of your heart. Of your heart. It, it, can, it can heal things that maybe you're, you're not even aware needs healed. It can touch things that even other people aren't even aware of. Maybe only you and God know that it has the power to do that. 
because it's sharp, it's, it's penetrating, it's, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. There is nothing that is secret to God. There is nothing hidden that the Word of God can't touch. And I love this because there may be something that's an underlying issue in your life and you don't even know that's the root cause of all the things that are being stirred. But the Word of God, when you open yourself to that, it can go past all the symptoms that you've been praying for and deal with the root issue. There's nothing that can remain in darkness when the light of the Word is allowed in. The Word is alive and powerful. Say that. Say the Word is alive and powerful. And as Americans, we have this alive and powerful Word at our disposal. I'm going to go way back here. Some of you won't even get this, but it's like a power pill to Pac-Man. Just <laughs> waiting to be consumed. It's like a can of spinach for pie pie, waiting to be devoured to give us strength. That's what the word is to us. It's just, it's, it's just, it's, 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 it's just waiting. It's just waiting to give us strength. Yet sadly, we rarely pick it up. You guys were preaching with me a while ago. You're quiet now. But that's okay. That's, this is what God wants me to speak. Rarely. Well, or sadly, we rarely pick it up. In fact, the latest research shows that only 15% of churchgoers, that's us, only 15% of churchgoers read the Bible on a daily basis. 15%. Well, how often are they reading it, Pastor? Well, here's according to statistics, 13% of churchgoers are reading it at least four days a week. Now, that's good. If you're in that category, that is really good. Four days a week. 9% of churchgoers, these aren't just Americans, these are churchgoers, 9% are reading it only once per week. Which means, in, in my assumption, that really the only time they're reading it is when they follow along on the screen on Sunday mornings with, as the pastor's reading it. That's that 9%. 9% are reading it once a week. 7% read it three or four times per year. 12% of churchgoers say they might read it once per year, while 30% of churchgoers say they never even read it. And if you add those last three up, 7% who reads it three or four times a year, 12% of churchgoers that might read it once per year, 30% that say they never read it, that's roughly 50% of churchgoers are reading their Bible less than four times a year. That's a problem. Because we all just agreed that the Word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. and has the ability to penetrate and pierce, dividing asunder the soul and spirit and joint and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We agree on that, but yet 50% of us are reading it less than four times per year. These are churchgoers that were interviewed. Now, don't get me wrong. Going to church is important. It's very important. But going to church is not going to change you. My sermons aren't going to change you. Only the Word of God can bring change. The Word of God is for transformation. That's, that's what brings about change. But it can only do it. It can only change you in proportion to your exposure to it. Did you hear me? 
It can only change you in proportion to your exposure to it. If you aren't seeing it, you aren't being exposed to it. If you aren't reading it, you aren't being exposed to it. If you aren't studying it, you aren't being exposed to it. If you aren't hearing the Word of God, you aren't being exposed to it. And you, if you're not being exposed to it, you aren't growing in your faith. You aren't maturing in the Lord. And as a result, there is no joy in your life. There's no freedom in your life. There's no peace in your life. There's no contentment in your life. There's no power in your life. Bible engagement, which is studying the Word of God, reading the Word of God, hearing the Word of God, seeing the Word of God, Bible engagement is directly related to spiritual growth. You, you want to grow spiritually? You want to experience the abundant life that Jesus said, I've come to give? You have to expose yourself to the Word of God. The Apostle Paul backs this up in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. He says, Now to him, speaking of Jesus, who was the Word made flesh, right? He is the Word. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, what's this key word here? According, according to what? According to how often we go to church? According to his power that is at work within us. And His power that's at work within us is directly connected to the time that we spend in His presence and the time that we spend in the Word. If, if we're not spending time in His presence, if we're not spending time talking to God, if we're not spending time in the Word of God, then there is no power working in our life. Therefore, to Him that is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or think, it's not happening because there's no power working in our lives. Now, my objective this morning is not to bring guilt and shame on you if you aren't reading the Bible. That's not, that's not my objective. I never want to preach a message of, wow, goodness, Scott just stepped all over me this morning because I haven't been reading the Bible. That's, that's not the objective today. The objective is to inspire you and encourage you to want to read the Bible. To say like, man, I, I want that in my life. I, I, I want that freedom. I want that joy. My goal this morning is to inspire you to pick up the Bible and to read it. Why? Because it is alive and powerful and it will transform your life. It will. Now, go with me to the book of Psalm, chapter number 1. We're going to spend the rest of our three hours together in, in Psalm, chapter number 1. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I tell you, this has been... And I have, I have spoken on this before, studied this, read the Bible, but... I. And this speaks to the aliveness of the Word of God. You can read something one day, read it again three months later, and get a whole new revelation. That, that happens because the Word is alive. There's power in it. And God has given me a revelation this week on this. Okay, Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Now I'm reading from a New Living Translation, so it's going to read it a little bit differently than the way I memorized this as a child. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord. That's, that's the Word of God. Meditating on it. Meditating is not a weird word. I know we look at meditating like, you know, that's evil. Meditating just means to really ponder something, really think on it, dwell on it, chew on it. It's like you're chewing up your food. You don't just put a piece of steak in your mouth and go, ooh, and swallow it. 
I mean, if you do, you're going to need CPR or the Heimlich or something. But you put on it, you chew it up. You're getting the nutrients out of it, right? That's what it means to meditate, okay? Meditating on it day and night. Look at this. Here, here's the results of those who are in the Word of God and who meditate on the Word of God. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. You know, we're going to go through seasons in our life. But they bear fruit each season. Their leaves never wither. I love this. And they prosper in all they do. Some translations say it like this. Blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord. Blessed is the one. Blessed. Another word for that is happy. But for those of you that went to small group, it blessed means more than happy. Happiness is connected to your well-being and your well-being is connected to the Word of God. I love the way that David writes this. I find it very interesting how, how this passage of Scripture is laid out because David here is, is contrasting the life of someone who is blessed with the life of someone who is not blessed. Do you see that? He's, he's contrasting the life of someone who is blessed with the life of someone who is not blessed. And David lists three things that a man cannot do if he wants to be blessed. First of all, he says this. He says, blessed is the one who does not follow the advice of the wicked. For those of you King Jamers, blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed. Okay, just I want to know who I'm speaking to. How many, how many want to be blessed? How many want the life that, that your Creator wants you to have? We all do, okay? So, here, here's the key to it. Blessed is the one who does not follow the advice of the wicked. Now, it's very important to know who wicked, who the wicked is, because immediately we would think that's, well, that's, ooh, that's wicked. That's evil. But actually, I just said it. The King James Version actually gives us a better wording of that. Uh, ungodly. Blessed is those who are not following the advice of those who are ungodly. And ungodly just means they don't have God. It's amazing how that definition works, right? They're ungodly. They don't, they're without God. Not bad people. They just don't have God. Blessed are those who do not follow the advice of those who are ungodly. Or you could say it like this. Blessed are those who do not follow the ways of the world. The advice of culture. Blessed are those who aren't doing what everyone in the world is doing. Did you know that, that there will be one million babies aborted in this country alone this year? 3,000 babies will be aborted in this country today. That is a staggering number. Go home, Google it, look it up. Blow your mind. And culture, ungodly, the way of the world, will tell you that's okay. They will give you supportive evidence and, and reasoning and, and ungodly counsel as to... Now, you don't know it's ungodly if you're not in the Word of God, but they'll give you counsel as to why that is okay. But I'm here to tell you today that that is ungodly counsel. That is ungodly advice. Culture tells us that it's okay to be gay. It's okay to be bisexual. 
It's okay to be transgender. It's okay to be lesbian. And, and the Q and all, I don't even know, Z, X, Y, I don't even know what is all there. But the culture will say that that is okay. Celebrities will endorse that. Talk show hosts will give counsel as to why that's okay. Just, just, just follow your heart. But yet the Bible tells us to, you better watch your heart because your heart is the most deceptive of all things. And this advice that they're giving you, the, the, the support and the encouragement they're, they're going to give you, it's advice, but I'm here to tell you, it's ungodly advice. It's ungodly counsel. It is In this world that we live in today, we are inevitably going to hear ungodly counsel, but we don't have to follow it. We don't have to walk that way. That's why David said, blessed is the one who does not follow ungodly advice. Blessed are those who do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Secondly, if you want to be blessed, you cannot stand around with, with sinners. David says, blessed is the one who does not stand around with sinners. Now, this one is, you know, you could go a couple of different ways. Somebody say, well, does that just mean like getting in the way of them? It can mean. But I believe in the way that the Lord revealed it to me. I believe he's saying that you're, you're, not, you're not walking the way that, that sinners walk. You're not doing the same things that, that sinners do. Blessed is the one who does not follow the counsel of the ungodly or, 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 or stand in the way of, of sinners. The warning here seems to be about adopting the conduct of sinners. There, there, there are four things that will greatly influence your life. Things that you read, things that you, that you watch, things that you listen to, and the people that you surround yourself with. And in my opinion, my humble opinion, I believe the greatest of those is the people that are in your closest circle. And what David is saying is that you can't be blessed when you're surrounding yourself with, with sinners. Now, you say, well, Scott, how are we going to reach the lost if, if we don't have friends that are sinners? I, I believe that you can have people that are, that are lost. That's, you've got to go out and reach them. But, but you've got to be careful who are in your closest circle. You've got to be careful who, who you're listening to, who you're watching, who you're patterning your life after. He says you can't be blessed by walking in the way of sinners. Otherwise, you're going to end up doing the same things that they do. Your actions or their actions will become your actions. You'll start behaving like them. You'll start speaking like them. You'll start walking like them. Going to the same place. Listening to the same music. Let me tell you how Solomon says it. Greatest man, wisest man that ever walked the earth other than Jesus. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 24 and 25. He says, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one who is easily angered. Or, watch this, you may do what? You, you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Now, you, you could substitute um, hot-tempered and, and easily angered for, for any a characteristic of an ungodly person. He's saying here, don't, don't, don't surround yourself with them. Don't, don't make friends with them. Otherwise, you're going to end up doing what they do and you're going to get yourself in trouble. You're going to become ensnared. That may not be a physical ensnarement or entrapment or bondage, but it, but it might be a, 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 a stronghold that the enemy gets in your life. All by surrounding yourself with, 
with the wrong people. I'm just, I felt very impressed by the Lord to let some of you know this morning that, that some of you, you're not getting any traction in your walk with God. You're not growing. You're not experiencing the life that God has for you. And a large part of that is due to the people that you're running with. People that you've surrounded yourself with. You're, you're praying the right prayers. You're, you're trying, but yet you've not separated yourself. The Bible says to do what? To come out from among them and be separate. You're a holy. If you're a child of God, you are to be holy. Set apart. Well, that, that's not what the world is doing. Yeah, but the world is offering ungodly advice. We're not to follow them. And we're supposed to, to separate ourselves and not, not stand and not do the same things that, that sinners do. You've got to come out from that if you want God to bless your life. And thirdly, he says, if you want to be blessed, you can't join in with mockers. Blessed is the one who does not join in with mockers. King, King Jimmy says, uh, sits in the seat of the scornful. And, and, and this, is, this is a whole nother sermon. You, you can take the progression there. He says, don't walk, stand, or sit. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful. It's, it's like a progression. You walk, then you stop, then you sit down. I encourage some of you that, that love just digging into the Word of God, go, go, go dig into that one for a little bit. But he says here, if you want to be blessed, you can't join in with, with mockers. I believe he's talking about here that making a mockery of sin, laughing it off as if it's no big deal. And all of these really are very similar. Don't, don't follow the advice of the ungodly. Don't, don't, don't do the things that sinners do. And don't, don't mock it at sin. Don't, don't laugh it off as if it's no big deal. And I, I was sharing with, I believe it was, was uh, uh, Keith over here, um, Thursday night after a men's group. I, I, and I, you've heard me say this. I am, I am greatly concerned with the state of Christianity today. Because we, we, we wink at sin as if it's no big deal. Oh, well, everybody's in sin. Aren't we all in sin? Doesn't everyone struggle with sin? Well, all of us are in the flesh. we got struggles in our life, but, it, but it's one thing to, to just, just sit down and live in that and say, well, this is the way that God made me, or this is the plight that God has for me, that's just who I am. It's another thing to be in the Word of God and realize that that's not the life that God would have you to follow and start pursuing a life of godliness. So there's a lot of people who are making a mockery of sin. And here's the problem with that. When you make light of sin, you make light of forgiveness. You, you don't appreciate what Jesus did for us. Some of us, Easter Sunday is going to hit in a couple of weeks. Now, three, you back up three days before resurrection, and what do you have? You have Jesus going to the cross. If we really understand the the weight and the magnitude of sin, it will break our heart when we realize that what Jesus did and the, and the hell that He walked through for us. But many Christians today, so-called Christians, many churchgoers, they've just, they've just sat down in the seat of scornfulness. They've just sat down. and they, they, Maybe it's unintentional, but, but their life, their actions, the, the words they say is making a mockery of sin. Oh, it's not that big a deal. What, what, and I know I'm getting on a soapbox here. That's okay. I haven't preached in two weeks. But y'all yeah, remember a few months ago, I even taught on this that some of these shirts that, um, oh Lord, help me. I've ventured off. It says, what does it say? It says, like, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. I love Jesus, but I drink a little. That's, I mean, 
I don't know how that affects you, but to me, it's just like, it just makes me want to throw up. Like, really, is, is this how far that we fall and that, that we, you know, it's, it's really, it's not that big of a deal. And I'm not, I'm not get here to get in whether or not, you know, drinking and all this. Is, I'm just talking about the attitude that we have. Oh, Jesus understands. I can tell you, He does understand. He understands that your heart is cold. <laughs> and that you are a long ways from Him. But yet culture has told you that you're okay with God and you're following the advice of the ungodly. He says you can't be blessed if you join in with the mockers. We have forgotten the holiness of God and that it is our sin that put Jesus on the cross. I think all of us this morning, we're all trying to find our identity. We're all trying to find our life. We're all trying to find our purpose. We're all trying to find happiness. But I believe that the majority of us are going about it the wrong way. And David is telling us here in Psalm chapter 1, he says that, that life is found, joy is found, happiness is found, not in following the advice of the, the wicked, not in following the advice of culture, not in doing the same things that sinners do, not in joining in with the mockers, but joy and happiness and fulfillment and peace and comfort and hope and purpose is all found where? In the Word of God. Verses 2 and 3 of Psalm 1. Okay, we, we've, we've, we've done the, the, uh, the comparison of, 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 of people who are not blessed because they're following this advice. Let, let's look at those who, who are blessed. Look at this. He says, Blessed are those who do what? Who delight in the Word of God, love Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. They're meditating on the Word of God. As your pastor, I would rather you read one verse a day and meditate on that all day long and think about what that means and how to apply that to your life than to read 15 chapters and not really even have a clue of what you just read. That's what it means to meditate. You read. As a matter of fact, I heard of Pastor Chris Hodges. I've used some of his curriculum before. Church of the Highlands in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, I believe. He... he uh, uh, he'll teach a lot about read the Word of God, keep reading it over and over and over until something stands out to you that, that day or whenever it is that you're reading. Because it's very easy. You read it and you're like, I didn't get any out of it, anything out of it. Read it again. Read it again. Read it again. Keep reading it until God shows you something. Well, how do I know God is going to show me something? How do I know that something's going to happen? Because the Word of God is alive and powerful. It's going to speak to you. It's going to transform you. It's alive. It will transform your life. It's, it's medicine. Matter of fact, you can read. I have this highlighted in my Bible. I don't know if I bookmarked it or no, I didn't bookmark it. But in Psalms chapter 119, which I know many of you stay away from that because it's the longest chapter in the Bible. You're like, man, I'm not reading that. That's way too much. But if you will read that, that, is, that has to be one of the best chapters in all of the Bible because it speaks to us, many, it shows us many of the attributes of the Word of God. It, for instance, and I have it highlighted in my Bible and written off to the side like what it means. The Bible is, is medicine to us. It's encouragement. It's hope. It's life. It's freedom. It's wisdom. It's peace. It's protection. It's our source of hope. All of these things are found in Psalm chapter 119. It speaks to the quality and the, the characteristic and the, and, and, the, and the value of the Word of God. There are people who are depressed today, and I'm not making light of depression. I struggle with depression and anxiety. But, but what are we doing about it? Because this, this word right here, which is life, 
which is, which is powerful, has the, the potential and the ability, the capacity to expel that depression, to speak to that demonic oppression. It has the power to do those things. It's our source of hope. I'm a better person when I'm in the Word of God. I'm a better friend. I'm a better husband. Did you know I love my wife more when I'm in the Word of God? I'm, I know I'm going to get... I didn't ask your permission, so I, I, may, I, may, I may get in trouble for this later, but I'm just, I'm just going to tell you this. I'm going to be open. I'm very real and transparent because I think everyone goes through seasons and I, and I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. But there have been times in our 21 years of marriage where I, I've gone through seasons to where I wasn't as attracted to my wife as I should be. And, I, and I'm going to guess that everyone who's been married for some length of time has probably been there at one point in their marriage or another. Just for what you still love her, still love him, still spend time with him, but for whatever reason, those butterflies aren't there. Those, you just, I don't know. And many of those times I can pinpoint it to where I'm, I'm not spending enough time in the Word of God. As a matter of fact, there's been times she's called me out like, you not been reading your Bible lately? <laughs> I'm just here to tell you, John, I am a better husband when I'm in the Word of God. I am a better father when I'm in the Word of God. I love my wife more when I'm in the Word of God. It's amazing how I can go and spend time in the Word of God and there's just a, a refreshing desire that comes over me that I see my, my wife in a whole new light. She didn't change at all. It was my perspective that was affected. Some of you need to hear that. You've lost attraction for your spouse for whatever reason. You need to get in the Word of God. Because that's, that's the power that the Word of God has in your life. It will transform you. Many of you are seeking counseling. You're, you're going to you know, marriage counseling and stuff because, well, you know, I just, I just don't love him like I used to. Let me give you some counsel. Get in the Word of God and pray and ask the Lord to open your eyes and give you a, a new outlook on your marriage and the purpose of your marriage and what your role is as the man or what your role is as the woman. That, that is... That's the best news you're going to hear all day. Best advice that you're going to hear all day. You need to get in the Word of God. You've got to get in the Word of God. And it has to become, watch this, a daily habit. And this is hard. As your pastor, I struggle with this. Now, throughout the week, I mean, I, I'm pretty consistent with that. There, there are times on a, on a weekend where, you know, I, I may not read a devotion or I may not open up the Word of God. And I think it's important that it needs to be a daily practice in our lives. It's, it's like food. You don't, you don't eat on a Saturday and then you don't have to eat again until next Friday. Right? Jesus, who is the Word of God, is, is the bread of life. We need it daily. We have to get it inside of us. It has to become a daily habit. And where the application where you need help in this is, is the number one reason. I looked this up. What is the number one reason why people don't read the Bible? You know what the number one reason is? What? Don't have time. 
the number one reason that people do not read the Word of God is because they do not have time. I'm going to tell you this. You will never find time to read the Bible. You have to make time to read the Bible. If you don't have the time throughout the day to read the Bible, then you need to set your alarm clock about five or ten minutes earlier and get up and the very first thing that you do needs to be to open up the Bible and read. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to say that you are unbiblical if you don't read in the morning. Okay, I don't think that there's a set time. However, David had it figured out when the best time for him was to read the Bible. Can I show that to you in Scripture really quickly? Okay, whether, whether you said yes or no, I'm going to show it anyway. Psalm chapter 5, watch this. What, look what David says. Oh Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. Listen to my cry for help, my King, my God. For I pray to no one but you. I'm spending time with you. Listen to my voice when? In the morning, Lord. Each morning I will bring my request to you and I will wait expectantly. Now, now listen, I, I don't want to be dogmatic about this. I don't, I'm not here to say that if you read at night and don't read in the morning that <laughs> you're a bad Christian. No, no, no. If you're reading the Bible daily, that's, that's great. Stay with it. My point is, if, if, you don't, if the number one reason is I don't have time, you need to make some time. Set your alarm clock. Get up earlier. First thing in the morning, grab that co- I have to have coffee to wake me up. Grab that coffee. Open up your Bible and, and, and spend some time in it. Guys, there are, if you, if you have a smartphone, which the majority of us do, there are Bible apps that you can download. One of one of the best ones, and it's free, is the YouVersion Bible app. It was created by Life Church, um, Life Church out of Oklahoma. It's free. Millions of people are using this. There, you can do daily devotionals. A lot of times you'll see me put things on Facebook. I get so inspired from just reading a scripture and reading a devotional, how someone else has studied the Word of God and how it's spoken to them. It's like hearing a sermon in like five minutes. You're like, why don't you just share a devotional with us on Sundays? No! Because I'm your pastor. I'm here to teach you and, and, and go over things like a teacher would and try to get you to see the importance of this. But, but no one is without excuse. You can, you can read the Word of God on, on your phones. Get, the, get a devotional. Whatever you're struggling with. I'm struggling with depression. Search for devotionals on depression. Devotionals on anxiety. How to love my wife better. How to be a better husband. Whatever it is. There is no excuse because one day we're going to stand before the Lord. What did we read in Hebrews? Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes and it is to Him to whom we will be accountable. I'm here to tell you, we got to get in the Word of God. You have to get into it. If you you have an an older translation Bible, get get one that's modern. I, I I would say stay away from the message translation. I'm not against it, but some of it's a little... A little crazy, but get you a, a new living translation, new international version, uh, NASB, uh, English standard version. Something that's, that's language that we use, okay? We don't use thou, these, and whosoever, and all that. It's, it's not changing the meaning. It's just, it's just putting it in a language that you understand. But we've got to get in the Word of God. That's where life comes. That's where, power, that's where the power gets in us. That's where that aliveness of the Word of God takes effect. And then we start seeing change. Amen? Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I am so thankful for the Word of God. 
so thankful for the Word of God. And I'm thankful, Lord, that it, that it is not just words on a page, God, but it is the very breath of God. Wow, let's, guys, let's soak that in. It's, it's the very breath of God. It's, it's Him speaking into us. It's God speaking to us. Hmm. Father, we, we have been so busy in our lives that we have not made time to let You speak to us. We're running to ungodly counsel. We're seeking help from our friends who, who don't even know You. We're Googling things, try to get help with this. and When in reality, the Word of God that has all the answers that has the, the power to change us and set us free is, is right in front of us. But we've neglected it. Lord, I pray that this morning, that as I have spoken on the, the power and the aliveness of Your Word and how the blessings of God follows those who will get in it and meditate on it, I pray that right now, Lord, that Your Word goes forth and Your Holy Spirit begins to convict hearts that we would readjust our agendas and our schedules and that we would make a priority for the Word of God. That we would stop looking to others for help, but we would start looking to You and what Your Word has to say about it. Just because someone else says that this is okay, Lord, doesn't mean that it's okay if Your Word speaks against it. So God, I pray that this morning, Lord, that You would move us to be people who fall in that 15%. Who are those who, churchgoers who read their Bibles on a daily basis. Lord, help us to be the cause of why that percentage would go up next year. That more of us would get rooted in the Word of God. And Father, as we're rooted in the Word of God, Lord, transformation is going to happen. Change is going to happen. Repentance is going to happen. And the abundant life that You have come to give us is going to be evident in us. People will see us as true salt of the earth. The salt, its job is to preserve. True light that shines in darkness, that we stand out. When we're walking down the street, Lord, that it's like a beacon of hope that, that people see, that it is evident that we have been with Jesus. God, let that be our hearts. Lord, let us be a people who is hungry for the Word of God. We're not hungry to be entertained on a Sunday by a praise band or by a preacher who's eloquent in, in his words and, and can, can encourage people and make them laugh, God. But we have a hunger for the Word of God that can change us. Speak to our hearts right now, Holy Spirit, and do the work that only You can do in Jesus' name. Amen.